KMOX Sports. Young swings and that's a high fly ball. Millikens win! Millikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. On a Tuesday that feels like a Monday, we welcome you into Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for the next two hours. We're taking you till 8 o'clock this evening. As always, if you want to join the program, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Coming up on the program tonight, uh, we're going to talk some uh, Missouri basketball. Uh, Matt Stahl's going to join us coming up in uh, about 10 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to talk some St. Louis Blues hockey. They are in action this evening, getting underway in Toronto. The vast majority of this program will be spent talking, though, about what happened last night on Monday Night Football with DeMar Hamlin. Let me start with this. So I'll just take you through my process a little bit. We talk about like two types of stories, and this we can say this about many different categories, but there's kind of two different types of stories with what I'm talking about here. The sports story that's really just a sports story and the sports story that transcends sports. If it's just a sports story and it's from last night, if we're if that game gets played last night and something on the field happens and I've got a strong opinion on it, I can sit here and wait on it because there's, at least here on KMOX, there's not going to be that much talk about it. But when it is a sports story that transcends sports and really becomes the number one story in the nation, we had the CBS Evening News that we ran uh, at 5.30, and they spent the vast majority of what we ran of that talking about this. I always sit here, and as I'm putting together my thoughts and putting together the show, I think to myself, what can I say differently? What what different take can I have? What different angle can I have on this as opposed to, what has been said over the better part of the last 20 to 22 hours, because it has been talked about ad nauseum everywhere for, for all day. And that's one of the things about doing a show from six o'clock to eight o'clock when we have these rare times where a sports story is just being talked about nonstop where it is beyond sports. What can I say that's maybe a little bit different than what you heard all day long. And I, and I struggle with that because I just don't want to, I don't want to repeat what everybody else has said all day long. That's no fun. At the same time, I've got my thoughts on it. I, I was, I mentioned this when I was talking with Kevin Wheeler last hour at 515. My wife and I were sitting down watching it. And my wife was not watching when it happened. We were in the process of uh, putting my daughter to bed, and my wife was doing that, and I was out on the couch, and everything was going on, and then we eventually got my daughter to bed, and my wife came out to the living room and saw what I was watching, and she sat down, and, and we were watching it together, and five or so minutes go by. It, it, they're, they're still in the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman portion of everything that's going on, and my wife, who up until our move to St. Louis six or so months ago had worked in the medical industry, she looks at me and she says, why why are they just talking about this? This A version of this happens to all kinds of people 
every day, all the time. Like cardiac arrest is not a rare thing to have happen. And I, the answer is easy. The answer is it, it happened right in the middle of a game, that uh, a high-profile game, maybe the biggest game of the weekend in the NFL. It happened on a game where no other games were going on, where tens of millions of people are watching it. So all of a sudden, we're all really invested in what's going on because we saw it. We're not invested, and, and good or bad, we're not invested uh, in mass when just it happens to a to a random person. But when there's some celebrity involved in it, yeah, all of a sudden we all start kind of paying attention. I would take it one step forward, though, and I would argue that we go to sports as a way to get away from things. There's a lot going on in our worlds. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in our worlds. And sometimes we just want to sit on the couch and watch a game and get lost in that for three hours. Sports is really powerful. I think, you know, good or bad, I think it's sometimes that's why, and I'm not trying to make a statement whatsoever on the role sports plays like in, in social justice and things like that because athletes have platforms. If they want to use those platforms to express uh, opinions that they have, they have every right to do that. But in many ways, this signifies why there is a portion of our population that whether whether it's a social justice message, a Black Lives Matters message, whatever the message might be, when those messages are coming across from athletes during games, there's a certain contingent of people that get really upset about that. And for some, it might just be because they disagree with that message, and that, that's, that's fine. Not, not fine, but you get what I'm saying. Like that, That's them, and that's their reason why. But for others, the reason they don't like that is because it's bringing like, something from the real world into the place where they get away. And I do think there are people who are turned off by those sort of things because they just want to stick with sports and not have anything else come in. And we can... We could have a long conversation if we really wanted to, if that's a good approach to it or not. But but it exists. Those people, they are absolutely out there. So we go to sports as a way to get away. And last night, we watched something where we didn't know if that man was going to live. We didn't know if he was going to live. His heart stopped on the field. He had to be brought back to life on the field. And... The absolute most important thing at that moment was his life, was him getting the medical treatment that he needed, and that that was the most important thing. But in some ways, I think that it takes something, sports, that many of us go to as a way to get away from things, and all of a sudden, it's a really real-world type thing that happens during the game, and then all of a sudden, we we can't turn it off. I don't know about you. I couldn't turn off ESPN last night. And later on in the program, we're going to talk a little bit about ESPN's coverage of it. I thought Scott Van Pelt was phenomenal. I thought he was awesome. I thought he was so good in setting the right tone and the way that he talked about things. I thought it was just 
a masterclass on handling a situation like that. So good on Scott Van Pelt. Not everything was perfect from ESPN's coverage. Not everything was. But the the person to me who starred the most last night, and not that a night like last night is about somebody starring, but the person who was perfect in the moment was Scott Van Pelt. And we'll talk more about that later on. But that was kind of my, as I've sat here and I've, I've gotten it, you know, almost a full day away from, from that happening, I, that's the thing that's kind of hit me, that I think, going back to my wife's question, why oh, this, this happens to people every day? Why are they devoting so much coverage to this? Well, it doesn't happen. It hasn't really happened in recent time in an NFL game, but more so, NFL football, sports in general, it's a place where people go to get away from real life. And then when all of a sudden real life is inserted into it, I think you become that much more, for lack of a better term, enthralled in what's going on. Certainly invested. Invested is probably the right word. You become that much more invested. And I think we were all invested. And when you see the $4 million plus that's been given to DeMar Hamlin's foundation, since it happened last night, that shows that we as a country were absolutely invested in DeMar Hamlin, hoping that he's able to come out of this. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text if you would like to do so. Up next, we are set to be joined by uh, Matt Stahl. Covers uh, Missouri Tigers Athletics for the Columbia Tribune. And he is with us in just a moment. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on a Tuesday night, our first edition of the program in 2023. Yesterday was New Year's Day observed across the United States. Right now, we're very happy to head back to the Quiver River guest line. We're going to uh, bring in a guy who covers Missouri athletics for uh, the Columbia Tribune. He is Matt Stahl. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt, S-T-A-H-L 9-7. Matt, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you coming back on the show. Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's get a little bit into Missouri basketball. Things are going quite well for them. They uh, are now ranked in the top 25. They are number 20 in the AP poll, number 21 in the coaches poll after their um, somewhat surprising win against Kentucky. Somewhat surprising that they won. I think legitimately surprising the uh, one-sidedness of it. Just what's your takeaway from an overall standpoint of these last really two weeks of uh, of Missouri basketball where they had that good win against Central Florida, really good win against Illinois, and then a spectacular win against Kentucky? Man, I think you're starting to see the benefit of Dennis Gates stacking this team with some experience in his first season. I mean, I was really down on him. I think it was uh, December 10th was that Kansas game where they just got fully spanked, couldn't make a shot, it seemed like. It didn't seem like things were going to go well, especially given sort of the little sisters of the poor nature of their early schedule. You were worried they were going to run into some good teams and just not have it. But, I mean, yeah, you come back against UCF that DeAndre Golson just 
miracle three-pointer to win that game. Then you go in, and I mean, in St. Louis for the bragging rights game against Illinois, and I mean, win convincingly. Like, it was no fluke there. Then, you know, Kentucky's a mess that probably should not have been ranked at the time, but still you're playing what was then a ranked team. And, yeah, just win convincingly. It's uh, It's been impressive, and you mentioned stacking the team with experience. I guess this is what you can do in today's age of college basketball with the transfer portal, and in many ways with, with Gates coming from a mid-major program, you're working through those portal stuff uh, you know, every year anyways. It's, it's, he, it really feels like he was kind of built for this. Yeah, and Dennis has made a big deal since he got here sort of about how he really built this team very deliberately. Like it wasn't necessarily a, I'm going to take every former four or five star kid out of the portal I can find. Uh, it's more how do these players fit together, both in the locker room and sort of on the court, which, you know, outside looking in kind of sounds like the thing you say when you can't get every four or five star to commit to your program. But like it's worked. He's He's got what seems like a very cohesive team. And, yeah, they're starting to get hot. He brought in some players from Cleveland State. How important has that been in just getting everybody else to kind of get on the same page that not everybody on the floor is completely caught off guard by anything he says at any moment? You know, it's big in part because of the way Dennis has opted to run this thing. He's talked a lot about how, you know, he's sort of letting – he sort of lets – guys coach themselves in a way if he's he's not the one who's forcing every single decision on the court and having those guys there who are just used to him from the Cleveland State game especially guys like Trey Gamillion who he's talked about could be a real future coach at some point that it, it's something that I, I think has helped everybody else sort of adapt to him somehow we've been talking for five minutes or so and I've not yet said the name of, of Kobe Brown who's just been so incredibly good. I keep making the point that like he's a he's a life lesson because so often if there's a coaching change, there's going to be guys who it really doesn't even matter what the next coach says, what message is brought in. They're just automatically going to transfer because that's what you do in college basketball today. And there's something to be learned because I feel like uh, Dennis Gates has been really good for Kobe Brown and Kobe Brown's been really good for Dennis Gates and it just seems to be working so perfectly. Yeah, and he's just really worked with this team that's been put around him. I mean, last season, I think at times, you know, it was the Kobe Brown show, which, I mean, there were times where he looked really, really awesome in that. But him having to do everything, be everything to everybody on the floor, it it did not win a lot of games. It wasn't going to win a lot of games. So now just having some of those guys, especially like there's some guys on this team who can hit the three ball, notably DeMoy Haas, has been really hot. And it sort of takes some of that pressure off of Kobe on the inside. Not to mention Kobe himself this season has really shown off the ability to hit that three, which has opened some things up for him. Look, I don't even know how to ask this question because I am as respectful of people's people's private matters as anybody, and I think everybody has, earns the right to privacy. So I feel dirty 
asking this question, but we don't know what's going on with Isaiah Mosley. And not that we need to go, no, but it just, again, this is where I don't know what question to ask, but it's like Isaiah Mosley, what, is he going to play? What's going on? What should we be asking? What should we not be asking? What's his status moving forward? I, I don't even know where to go with this. Yeah, it's a good question, and it's one of those things I think we're all trying to figure out in real time. Like, what is the way to go about, like, trying to figure out the situation? Because like you said, I mean, everybody does sort of have their right to privacy. And it's one of those deals where, you know, we talk about NIL maybe changing this, but in my mind it really hasn't. These are still kids who aren't getting paid by Mizzou to be there. So it's not like, you know, it's an NBA sort of deal where – they're million-dollar dudes who I feel like need to step up and answer these tough questions. And frankly, in Isaiah's situation, like if they were losing games and a guy like him seemed to be the thing that was missing, I think it'd be more concerning, and I think they'd be getting pressed a lot harder on that thing. But, I mean, he's sort of – like he's good at some of the things they already have going good on the court. So it's until they start losing and it's clear a guy like him is the missing piece, like I, I almost you hate to as a reporter say I'm content to let sleeping dogs lie, but like it's it's not a really pressing concern at this time. Do you think he plays another game for Missouri? I don't know. Hmm. I guess we'll see. Yeah. You know, it'll show up. I hate that. I, I hate to just speculate on yeah. that because it, it really does seem like such a unique situation where, I mean, you could see him play. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play against Arkansas, but then again, like, if he didn't see the court again this season, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, you mentioned Arkansas. They match up against the Razorbacks tomorrow night. They will be in Fayetteville. And with all due respect to playing Kentucky at home, going on the road is a different animal in the SEC. And this is a really good Arkansas team. And we've alluded to the fact that some of their really good wins, they beat a Kentucky team that falls out of the rankings. They beat an Illinois team that falls out of the rankings. Now they're going to match up against an Arkansas team that's legit good, not going to fall out of the rankings. And also uh, it's it's on the road. So they, they do all of this. And to me, this is the second toughest game of the year for them after Kansas. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree with that. And that's sort of what makes it fun, right? If yeah. you look up and you're like, you know, that Kansas game just went so poorly for all involved, but you see the places where they've taken sort of the opportunity to learn something from that one, and you wonder, like, can they you know, apply those lessons here? And, you know, if you are if you get some shots falling, especially early, like they – in that Kansas game, they just came out so bad early and just couldn't come back. I mean, they stayed – they weren't playing great the whole game, but there were a few moments where it seemed like, well, if you hadn't gotten in that giant, enormous hole early, maybe we could make this a competitive basketball game. And then you see the last two games. Like, they come out early and just start wailing on Kentucky and Illinois. And if they can keep it close early, like, I, you know – Shots fall, you never know what happens. If I had to make a prediction for the game, I'd probably pick Arkansas, but it wouldn't surprise me if Mizzou pulled off another one here. Okay, so I'll finish you off with this. What is the, what's the thing that Missouri has to do tomorrow to even have a chance to win? I think you got to make Arkansas run. Uh, you saw it work so well against Kentucky. They're just making them run up and down the floor. 
and not to be the most obvious basketball analyst on earth, but you got to hit those shots too. I didn't do that at all against Kansas, and then they have the last few games. But if you can make them run early, especially sort of wear them down, and then get into those later game situations where maybe you can feed Kobe Brown in the posts or do some stuff like that, maybe get more of these guys worked in. I think you have a real chance. He is Matt Stahl, covers uh, Missouri Tigers athletics for the Columbia Tribune. You follow him on Twitter at Matt, S-T-A-H-L-9-7. Matt, thank you so much for uh, your time and your expertise. Look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Always a good time. Uh, very good. There's Matt Stahl joining us here on Sports Open Line. Again, Missouri basketball tomorrow. They are going to match up against number 13, Arkansas. That's going to be a good one, or at least you hope it's going to be a good one. Missouri ranked number 20 in the nation. Arkansas is ranked number 13. When we come back, we're going to jump right back into the DeMar Hamlin situation. Chris Pronger appeared on these KMOX airwaves earlier today. We'll play uh, some of his comments for you and react to those, and I'll continue to give you my thoughts. By the way, I'd like to hear from you, 314-436-7900. You can text into the program. What were you feeling emotionally? What were you feeling while you were watching everything play out last night on Monday Night Football? My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City! KMOX. We do continue on here on a Tuesday night, a Tuesday that feels like a Monday. I always do a Monday hit on the show earlier in the day, and I was having some issues with my uh, broadcast equipment that I have at home where I connect in. So I was texting the producer today, and I said, well, you may have to call me to get me on. All the while, I was thinking it was Monday, and then... Uh, Ranji and Amy, they they bring me on and they say, well, we generally have them on Tuesday and it was in that or on Monday. And it was in that moment I realized it's not Monday, it's Tuesday. I'm sure many of us are doing that today. Welcome back into the program. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Uh, update on the Blues. They have a 2 nothing lead on Toronto. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, watching sports, there are things that tend to happen. And one of those things that tends to happen is when you lose a key player or you lose key players in the short term, there can be a boost for a team and then eventually they regress because what happens is, so for the blues, they lose Ryan O'Reilly, they lose Vladimir Tarasenko. So everybody on that roster is going to feel like they need to find a different gear. So they're going to, they're going to find that different gear. But that new gear that they find, it's not going to be sustainable. Or maybe it will. If if it is, that's really good for the team. But what generally happens is it's not sustainable. And eventually things start to go in the other direction. There's still lots of time left in this game. They're up 2 nothing with five minutes to go uh, in the first period. So clearly things could go in the wrong direction. And this is a good Toronto team and they could end up uh, losing to them. But this is one of those games, like if you really follow along with trends and the way things happen, this is one of those games where I would have thought the Blues probably would end up winning just because when you deal with that kind of adversity, oh, so often you end up having that short-term boost. Now, if you're a Blues fan, you're hoping it's not a short-term boost, that it's been such a disappointing season that this is kind of the wake-up call for everybody who has underachieved this year and they can collectively find that gear and stay in it. We'll see. I'm 
I'm likely to believe that that's not going to happen. Uh, but what I do think is going to happen is there is going to be at least a short-term boost. So I could be wrong, but I think they'll probably go on to win this game. And if I would have been talking about this before this game even started, I would have told you the exact same thing. All right, let's get back into the uh, DeMar Hamlin situation from last night in Monday Night Football. And again, taking your text messages at 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. Text in. I I, kind of want to know from like an emotional standpoint where you were at when all this was happening last night. Some people just are... They they don't they don't get emotional about things and they just want to watch a football game and I I'm glad I'm not one of those type of people my my inclination is to be critical of those type of people I try not to criticize we're we're all built in different ways I think we need empathy and last night when watching it I was very empathetic um, but I would love to know from an emotional standpoint as you're sitting there watching that game play out last night, how you were feeling, 314-436-7900, text in 314-436-7900, or you can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, We've had a number of people here on KMOX throughout the course of the day to uh, discuss this. One person who had a very interesting take on it is former St. Louis Blue Chris Pronger, if you remember he had a somewhat similar situation when he went down to uh, block a shot during his playing career. Uh, he was on this morning during Total Information AM with Tom Ackerman. When this happened last night, it was an emotional and tough evening for so many people across the country and around the world watching this game. And here locally, one of the names that we thought of was Chris Pronger, the St. Louis Blues, now Hall of Famer, back in 1998, took a shot to the chest while defending a power play. And Prongs, thank you very much for being with us. I I really appreciate it on such short notice. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, If you could take us, um, first of all, to your emotions of this uh, current situation with DeMar Hamlin, and then we're going to transition into what happened to you back on that day in 1998 against Detroit. Yeah, no, I had, uh, you know, stepped out to block a shot from uh, Dmitry Marinov. It just hit me right square in the heart, <laughs> and it hurt. Uh, it was kind of like a, a, a pinching blow, if you will. And uh, according to the doctors, uh, this happens a lot in Little League Baseball, but uh, it hit hit me in the heart right between beats, so my heart thought it it had beat, and that's how much oxygen is in every heartbeat. And so I skipped one beat, and uh, and you know told myself, all right, I need to gather myself, get to the bench. We're in Detroit. I'm like, don't let these guys see you laying on the ice in pain. So I'm like, all right, get up. In my head, I'm saying that I had already blacked out, and then I, as in the video, you can kind of see me stand up, take a couple steps and then collapse uh after that everything was a a bit of a blur until i kind of woke up staring straight up at all the the banners and retired jerseys and numbers and things of that nature and um you know i i was pretty young i think i was 23 maybe at the time similar age to to damar and uh really didn't know what was going on didn't understand i guess the magnitude of of what could have transpired 
uh, and, and understanding that in Little League Baseball, a lot of kids that, that get this uh, die from it. Uh, I didn't really know uh, all of the details surrounding commotional cordis, which is what I had. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly what, what he had, but uh, uh, it was it was scary, but we, you know, we're in the middle of the playoffs and being young and dumb and not really knowing what was going on. I was uh, very um, sure in myself that I could play the next game, which I ultimately did, but there was obviously a lot of hurdles I needed to overcome. Uh, wore a heart monitor for 24 hours. Uh, ran a battery of tests when I got back to St. Louis the next day, that afternoon, uh, and then obviously got checked out again in the morning before the game and, and ultimately was cleared. But um, if I was a little bit older and, you know, maybe was married and had kids and all the rest of that stuff, I'm not sure if I would have played, but <laughs> knowing me, I probably would have anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but, uh, I'm certain you've learned a lot uh, just from that. And moving forward, you well, you you had to at that point learn a lot about yourself, and but most of all, how fragile life is. Yeah, no, no, certainly. You know, I think you see the scene last night with how uh, that whole situation transpired, and you know, I think all the, the the medical staff, and you know, I think that's from my situation to that's the parallel that I see between the two situations is how quickly the medical staff was involved, how quickly they got there started uh, into their protocols and, and, you know, uh, you hope that that's uh, a big reason why he's in critical condition and not in a worse place. Um, you know, you, you, you hope that, that he can continue to fight and, and get better with each, each day. And, um, you know, I don't know the exact details of, of kind of what's going on, but uh, certainly from an outsider looking in, uh, uh, you hope that, that they're prompt, and and quick medical attention is, is what uh, hopefully will save him. Well, we certainly appreciate you recalling your story. It came to mind immediately for people last night, and our thoughts and prayers are certainly with DeMar Hamlin, his family, and his teammates. And thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Appreciate it, Tom. Take Pre- care. That was Chris Pronger talking with our own Tom Ackerman earlier today during Total Information AM here on KMOX. An interesting comment certainly made by him. Uh the uncle of DeMar Hamlin, Dorian Glenn, went on Twitter and also spoke with uh, CNN and said that uh, Hamlin, his heart went out twice. His heart stopped once on the field, and they had to resuscitate him. His heart stopped again at the hospital, and they had to resuscitate him a second time at the hospital. Uh, they also said that throughout the night, he was on 100% oxygen. Since then, the oxygen level has been dropped down to 50%. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the radio. I don't know how important, how good that is. Uh, but it seems good. It, if if you need to give him half as much oxygen as you had been giving earlier, to me, in my very simplistic way of thinking, that seems like things are moving in a in, in the right direction. It's just, it's so scary that that can happen. And sidebar on all of this, and this is true in the NFL, this is true in college football, this is true in high school football, this is true in peewee football, whatever it might be. Like, shout out to the certified athletic trainers out there. And I know in an NFL game, absolutely, there were doctors out there immediately, and it wasn't long before there was EMTs and an ambulance and all that sort of stuff. But in sports, when things happen on the field, more often than not, 
the first people to get out there are certified athletic trainers, and they're kind of the first line of defense for anything. They're the ones that kind of triage what's going on and can do the early stuff. And it just, I just thought about that last night. And again, in the NFL, it's a little bit different because of the doctors and everybody else that's out there immediately. But if that's any other level, you got certified athletic trainers running out there. And it's always a good reminder that athletic trainers do a lot more than just wrap your ankles with tape. There is a, they have a, they have a very important role when it comes to sports and a shout out to all of them. We will continue on in this conversation. ESPN is standing by the reporting that Players were given a five-minute warning to get back onto the field last night. The NFL is saying that's not true. Who should we believe? We'll discuss that coming up in just a moment. My name is Matt Pauley. It's Sports Open Line here on KMOX. This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We continue on with Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Matt Paul is my name. Want to join us? 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Our first program in calendar year 2023. So if you were watching last night while all this was happening, uh, our own, when I say our own, I mean St. Louis's own, Joe Buck, said on the broadcast, said on ESPN, quote, They've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we got from the league and the word we got from down on the field, but nobody is moving. Since then, Troy Vincent, the executive vice, vice president of the NFL for football operations, said the league never considered resuming play. ESPN in a statement said that Joe Buck reported what we were told in the moment. And a little bit more on that. Uh, Buck told the New York Post that the information about the five-minute warm-up period came from ESPN rules expert John Perry, who is in direct communication with the league, saying um, the network in a statement said, There was constant communication in real time between ESPN and the league and game officials. As a result of that, we reported what we were told in the moment and immediately updated fans as new information was learned. This was an unprecedented, rapidly evolving circumstance. All night long, we refrained from speculation. Uh, Perry, who again is the person that uh, it's being said, told ESPN that they were going to be given a five-minute warning uh, was asked for comment, and he declined to comment, saying today is about the player, DeMar Hamlin, and would not say anything more than that. I 100% believe the ES, that uh, the NFL tried to get players back on the field. Absolutely, I do. With, without a, And then somebody in that office, whether it was Roger Goodell or, or somebody else, realized the optics of it and went... Okay, we gotta we gotta go back in time a little bit. We gotta we gotta do some damage control here, and then they can come out and they can say, "Well, we were never thinking about playing," because if you were watching the ESPN coverage last night, one of the main narratives was that the players were being told to play, the players were refusing to play, and the two respective coaches 
for the Bills and the Bengals had their back and said, no, we're not retaking the field. The NFL is going to tell you that's not the way it went down. I don't think many of us are ever going to 100% know. There's a very few amount of people walking the face of the earth that know the entire story, know exactly how it played out last night. But I, I, I believe that 100% that they tried to get them to play. If, if they're not trying to get them to go back on the field and play, why did it take damn near an hour for them to cancel the game, suspend the game, postpone the game, whatever terminology you want to use? Why did it take them that long? And there were some people out there that were trying to bring up the the football ramifications of postponing the game or canceling the game. And it just doesn't matter. It does not matter. You know what? If the Bills get the one seed or the Bills don't get the one seed because of what happened last night, I don't think they're going to care. They're not. Nobody's going to care. If the Bengals miss out on an opportunity – to move into that top spot, depending on what else happens, if the game goes down as a no contest, they're not going to, at the end of the day, they're not going to care. Like There's going to be some guys that are kind of bummed out because they're going to see that there was at least an opportunity for them to have that first-round buy and be the overall number one seed. There's going to be some fans out there that are really upset about it because they don't have their priorities right. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. That was... That's the that's the key phrase from last night. Almost everything that we talked about, it didn't matter. It just didn't. There were very few things that mattered. And all those things that mattered were connected to the health of DeMar Hamlin. So, yeah, I believe the ESPN report. I believe the Joe Buck report. And I think the NFL is trying to rewrite history and trying to make themselves look better. Am I jaded against the NFL? You bet I am. Of course I am. Does that impact the way I view this situation? Maybe. I've always told you. I'll tell you what my biases are. We all have them. We all have them. I don't hide them. I do not like the NFL. I don't like the league. I don't like the Roger Goodell. I like football. I like watching the NFL. But in terms of the business, the league, the way they run things, the decisions that they make, I do not like the NFL. And I think last night showed the lack of leadership that they have. Roger Goodell's really good at making money for owners. And I guess at the end of the day, that's probably the only thing that owners really, really care about because it's a bunch of horrible human beings who own NFL football teams. Just horrendous human beings. But they wanted to play last night. They wanted to take these men, these human beings, who they view as just machines, who they view as just tools to their millions and billions of dollars. And they wanted to put them back on the field after they saw a teammate or an opposing player have their heart stop beating on the field. Shame on the NFL for that. In many ways, this is what it felt like to me. I used to be a big pro wrestling fan. Love pro wrestling back in the day. Don't watch it anymore, but I did back in the day. It really reminds me of what happened in Kansas City with Owen Hart when he fell to his death and the WWE continued the show. Vince McMahon said, get out there, keep wrestling. We got a pay-per-view going here. That's, that's what it reminds me of. 
The difference being these players said, no, not a chance. We're not going to keep going. We're not going to keep playing this game. We're done. We're done. Don't even think about putting us back on the field. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.